This is Laura Van Arendonkbaugh, and you're listening to To Write and Have Written, a writer's guide to the business side. This is an audio recording of the weekly live stream where you can join us each Tuesday on Twitch. Details and a schedule of upcoming guests and topics can be found at lauravab.com. Now to this week's episode. Hello. Oh my gosh, I have two new windows open. Hold on. There we go. I did not realize I had. Sorry, this is very professional. Did not realize I had another thing that would show me my stream, and so I had a couple of windows going and slightly off sync. Just no, can't do that. Sorry. Ah. So hi, <laughs> it's Tuesday night here. I'm Laura Van Arendonk Baugh. This is To Write and Have Written, and this is the incredibly off the cup Ask Me Anything. Um, you may have noticed that on the calendar, we were originally supposed to do a business session tonight on how, uh, how to best use Evernote um, for everything. Um, so, uh, so that was, and we're still going to do that topic. Um, that topic, however, was by request. Uh, it was a topic I wanted to do anyway, but then uh, Grace in particular asked uh, if we could do it. So I bumped it up on the schedule for that. And then Grace is undergoing a series of medical uh, thing procedures right now. And so was not going to be able to be on the stream. And so she had asked for it and I'd moved it up for her. So I'm like, well, let's just put it back where it was and we'll do something else tonight, which works out just fine anyway, because uh, next week I'm actually attending a session on uh, new tips and tricks in Evernote that I might not know yet. So I will lever- level up my own Evernote skills and then bring them back to you. So that's what we're doing. So yeah, so that's why the schedule has been a little bit um, chaotic tonight. So uh, everybody, you know, think think good thoughts for Grace and uh, we'll have her back hopefully next week. She's a regular in the chat. Uh, and then, yeah, there we go. So, okay. Um, let's... Things are working. Okay. Um, so I, I just said you know, this afternoon, oh, okay, this is going to be an Ask Me Anything. Uh, and uh, Bridger was kind enough. Let's see, this is the window I wanted to leave open, not the streaming window. There we go. Uh, Bridger was kind enough to throw some questions up on my Facebook page to, uh, <laughs> to give me some things to work with. And she, she was very kind. She said, um, yeah, the, the idea of uh, ask me anything and then doing that live seems daunting. So here's some stuff you can think about. So I just found these a few minutes ago, so I haven't thought about them that much, but uh, I definitely appreciate the thought and I will try to give uh, cohesive, comprehensive answers. Yes, we hope Grace is feeling better soon. Um, thank you, Bridger. They, she is, um, uh, she has, <laughs> and, and she's been very open about this and I've seen it other places online, so I don't feel I'm violating anything, but um, she had a sh- shoulder injury and uh, in trying to take care of that, she ended up tearing muscles in both of her legs. Uh, so she's just kind of overall limited in lots of things right now. So we were hoping um, that they get her the, the procedures that she needs relatively quickly. So, okay. All right. So Bridger asked the first question. And thank you again, Bridger, for these questions. <laughs> uh, it's way better than me just sitting here like 
coming up with stuff or, or hoping you're prodding people to ask things. So it's great. How do you balance your trainer life and your writing life when those are both soul consuming careers? <laughs> it's good. I feel like most advice written for people with a day job are not written for passionate entrepreneurs who are super invested in their day job. I think there's a certain amount of truth to that. There's an awful lot of, I mean, part of it is just the cultural icon of, you know, the the frustrated warehouse clerk who's secretly writing a novel at night or, you know, whatever we, we've got our, we've got our tropes in society too. Right. Um, but yeah, um, no, this is a really good question because, uh, animal trainers, um, particularly really gung-ho positive reinforcement trainers, which is the community that we move in, um, do tend to be really immersed in, uh, that. And, um, they, it's, it is a, it is a career, but it is also a passion. And it is one of those things where we do not operate off a series of recipes. We are constantly engaged in learning and upgrading and learning and upgrading. And, and yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying because it, it is, uh, I don't know that I would call it soul consuming because, uh, that to me has a little bit more negative connotation. Whereas I would say that, no, this is a passion and we love it but it also does eat a lot of time and energy. Um, so yeah, so there's, there's several ways I do that. First of all, I don't have kids and I don't watch TV. So that frees up a lot of time <laughs> for me personally. Um, and, uh, you know, it, obligatory, I'm not throwing shade at anybody who does have kids or who does watch TV. I'm just saying that those are hours that I have in my day that probably the average American does not have. Um, for me, they are both intensely satisfying things, but they they satisfy in different ways. Also, I find a lot more overlap than I thought there would be. Um, what? Behavior in fiction? Who would have thought, right? <laughs> Character motivations, what? Um, and so uh, for me, and this is, I would say it's the same way in that I, I'm one of those people who has multiple works in progress running at one time. So if one gets stuck, I simply move to the next one. So I don't ever sit and just stare at a manuscript and wish it would get better. That is not true. I definitely do that, but I don't have to. <laughs> I can just go to the next manuscript and, um, and then make that one better and then work my way around back to this one, by which point I have uh, a fresher approach to it. And the same thing is true. Um, the left side, right side of the brain is, you know, a not accurate way of saying things, but for cultural pop pop culture shorthand um, I spend a lot of time being analytical in my day job and I spend a lot of time being creative in my evening job which by the way I do a lot of my cl client meetings in the evening and a lot of my writing during the day so also things that don't make sense except in, in cultural shorthand uh, but it is uh, what am I trying to say they, they use different parts of the brain. They also are very related and they use, I'm obviously, I'm using my whole brain the whole time, but I want to, I have to be creative to come up with solutions sometimes uh, with a very tricksy behavior situation. Um, and I need to be analytical because that's what editing is <laughs> with fiction. Uh, but a lot of times they feel different enough that I don't feel like I'm just exhausting the same part of my head over and over and over. Uh, I can, you know, do something intensely analytical. That's actually, let me jump back, that's where the Shard of Elan series started. The Shard of Elan series 
was started in a hot springs weekly motel room uh, because I was doing three weeks in a row with Bob Bailey uh, training chickens and um, so the shorthand for people who are not um, Oh, hi. So, sorry, I'm going to interrupt myself. I just saw PJ in the chat. Um, hi, PJ. Today, is a, the short version is, is an Ask Me Anything. So uh, we'll get back to that. And I'm going to shift back over here where maybe it looks a little better and people can see the chat and I can see the chat. So um, yeah, anyway, so uh, Bob Bailey is one of the legends of the uh, operant conditioning world. Uh, and I did three weeks of chicken training with him, which sounds really funny, but uh, it's great because you don't go into chickens with all this superstitious nonsense about I'm going to be the chicken's alpha and all of that stuff. So it really makes you focus on uh, on actual you know training, operant conditioning. But I was spending 40, 50 hours, you know, in, a, in that week just doing intensely analytical, be, uh, you know, behavior analysis kind of stuff, and then I would go back to the motel room and I'd be like everything in my brain hurts <laughs> and so I started writing fantasy which was completely um and obviously I would been writing before that obviously but I was like I started a new fantasy story in that situation and just dumped words at an amazing rate because it was such a you know whiplash from what I was doing during the day um that's also when I edited the chicken training music video which you can find on YouTube um but yeah I cut that together uh, in that motel room just because, ooh, look, something using a different part of my brain. <laughs> so um, I have no idea at all if I took that question where you wanted to go, but thank you for providing that question. And um, I talked a lot. So <laughs> there we go. All right. Um, the other question or the next question uh, was, do you have plans for more dog books? And um, the answer, the short answer is, Yes, <laughs> if, if by that we mean training books. Do I know what they are yet? No. Um, so usually the way that works is I keep thinking, yeah, I should do that, I should do that. And then, I, then finally some, something, something jumps into my head and I'm like, I have a soapbox on this topic. <laughs> and so I'm just waiting for the next soapbox to leap into my life. Oh, yay, Bridger loves that chicken training video. Good, good, and the Shape It All video. Yes, <laughs> the Shape It All video where, um, which I got copyright slammed for. Thank you, YouTube. Yeah, um, but uh, guys, it's a karaoke track and with parody lyrics, we're, we're, we're supposed to be good there, but okay. But it's still up, they, uh, they let me keep it up, so it's fine. So um, yeah, so anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry, I would like to do more behavior books. Those are going to happen. I just don't know when or what yet. Um, I did, go ahead and do the kids uh, training, you know, the kids book of training fantasy animals. Uh, and so that was my little, my little itch in that direction that still kept, got to blend my, my fantasy and my science writing, which was pretty cool. So, okay. How do you measure your productivity? Oh, this is where I betray that my analytical behavior analysis brain is not always on while I'm doing my fiction. <laughs> so um, I'm gonna go ahead and read, read the rest of the question because it's a really good uh, setup. Um, hours of butt and chair, words produced, edited, etc. Um, I was always team word count before finishing my first book and I still find word count to be the most motivating metric to track. 
But after editing, polishing, publishing, and beginning to market a book, I'm realizing that metric becomes less useful the further you get from the first draft process. Yes, um, it's a really good observation, which is why I wanted to share it. Um, word count is great for first drafts, and I definitely use it for I, I'm going to call them kickstart projects, even though they always don't have they don't always happen at the start. But like NaNoWriMo, I want to write 50,000 words in a month, or um, one of the groups I'm in, um, one of the member organizations I'm in does novel drama, so we want to sit down and do 30,000 words in a weekend or something like that. Um, so first off, you know, <laughs> anybody who's panicking out there or feeling slighted, no, that is not the only way to write a book, and certainly, you know, not the right way or the one way or any of those things. Um, but for people who, I'll tell you what those are best for, are for people who tend to overthink, you know, oh, I need to write slowly so that every word is the perfect word and all of that. Um, doing something that is just, and the goal is word vomit, does a really good job of breaking through that inner editor and just getting stuff on paper uh, because you can't edit a blank page. So just puke the words out and then we fix them. That's why they're first drafts because there will be future drafts. Anyway. Um, but yeah, Bridger makes an excellent point that once you get past that first draft stage, now how do I measure progress? So, and my very, very sloppy answer is I kind of don't. <laughs> do I make progress? Yes. Do I measure it? No. Um, because that is not where I find the reinforcement in that. Um, uh, NaNoWriMo, watching that graph go up oh yeah that is motivating okay that is that is a good thing um, and there's a definitely useful place to apply that um, when I am in revisions for example I don't track how many pages I've worked through I just go with do I feel like I'm making progress does it feel like it's getting better now the moment that would stop becoming a useful reinforcing measuring metric whatever um, then I would have to find another way to do it. Uh, but so far that's been working for me. So I guess that's a know yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh yes, that graph. Yes, the, uh, the, the NaNoWriMo watch, watching graphs go up is so reinforcing, yes. Uh, and um, yeah, and then they give you badges and all these things. We will do so many things for a stupid badge. It's not even a real badge, it's only pixels, <laughs> but it doesn't matter, we'll do it. So um, I just finished World Anvil Summer Camp and um, I got diamond. There were four tiers, um, copper, silver, gold, and diamond. Um, and if we did 31 world building prompts in, in the every day of July, uh, then we got the diamond tier. And I was like, yes, I am diamond. What does that get me? Literally nothing. <laughs> hey, but I can say I did it. Um, and I have some additional material now to things I wanted to spell out um, from a world building for me, but also that's now out there and, um, you know, it's additional material for my patrons to get on Patreon. So all of that kind of stuff. So <laughs> just give me a thing that turns green and goes ding and an upward graph and I am ready. Yes. Right. Yeah. I totally, that is, that is a real thing. Yes. And I do get to say I'm diamond and on my world anvil discord, there's a little diamond icon next to my name now because I saw someone else with it and I wanted it to. So yes, I am an adult. <laughs> okay, we never get over our uh, badge collecting days, right? Yeah, okay. Anyway, so uh, I guess the answer to that is I don't measure, 
productivity outside of word count except for do I feel like I'm making progress. Um, this is one, this is a know yourself area. Um, I do have a pretty good handle on I'm making progress and I can judge that separately from the emotional side of I hate this manuscript, I'm a terrible writer, everything is awful, <laughs> okay? Um, which I know that most projects that I do will have that phase. Um, I've done enough of them now that I know that is a normal phase and it is a phase. And for the most part, I'm pretty good at saying, all right, I edited for a few hours today. I feel like I made forward progress. I hate this and everything is awful, but I edited and I made forward progress, okay? So as long as I can keep those separate, you know, that's working for me. If you are a person that that is blendier for, it's totally a word, I just said it, um, then you wanna make sure that you have a separate metric, so. Yeah, <laughs> the 25,000 to 35,000 word health range. Yeah, um, that's not where it hits for me, but it, 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 you definitely, like, there is a phase, and a lot of people have that phase, and just know when it hits for you. Yeah, that's it. So, March of the Gray Eyes. Hi, welcome. Welcome. All right. Um, oh, PJ Zufit asks, since this is Ask You Anything, what is that painting behind you? Let me grab that for you. So this is great because there's like a couple of stories that go with this. So um, back when, um, I think I think book two was coming out, Patrick Rothfuss, author of Name of the Wind, um, and book two, which is I think Wise Man's Fear, is that right? I think that's right, um, was, I'm pretty sure this was a contest for book two. Um, it is not one of Ken's donkeys, but 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 it's okay. It's still a good story. Hold on. Um, anyway, so they did a um, was it a cosplay contest? I don't remember what it was supposed to be initially. Um, we didn't do it that way. <laughs> what we did? Oh, I know what it was. Is take a photo of the book somewhere. It was take a photo of the book somewhere, and a group of friends uh, we got together, and instead of taking a photo of the book in a setting for the contest. We costumed out like a bunch of the characters, a lot of characters, and did a huge photo shoot and basically made a comic book of the adventures of uh, Bast losing the book and all, it went through all the characters and then both had to get it back at the end. Um, it was ridiculously over the top. I mean, crazy over the top. Um, and so we won the contest because it was insane. Um, anyway, so this, I played Kipoth. So if you remember, Kipoth's um, family's wagon was pulled by a couple of donkeys. And so this is both reading a book um, with donkey because this started as one of the photos from that photo shoot. And then my aunt painted it. Um, and she gave me this for Christmas of me playing both reading a book with the donkey. This particular donkey is... Um, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize the music was... It's you guys, your music will change from mine, so please give me a heads up if that... Let me just kill the music there, it's done. Okay, I'm so sorry, thanks for pointing that out. Um, anyway, so this donkey, is his name is Burrito, <laughs> because he's a little burro, get it, get it? Um, and he lives with my parents, with his friend Thelwell, and um, 
so yeah, so this was burrito and me, and then my aunt did the painting of it, so. Yes, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, right, the, the donkey's names were Alpha and Beta, but this is Burrito and Thelwell is, I don't have a photo of Thelwell, but it's worth, okay, what you guys need to do is Google uh, Thelwell Pony. Thelwell was a British cartoonist who did a ton of books and cartoons about uh, a certain class of English girl and their extremely fat ponies. Um, and when we, <laughs> I went, I went with mom, um, to, uh, and they were going, going, looking for some new equines. Um, and so Burrito is a miniature donkey. Thelwell, uh, was advertised as a miniature horse, but is probably a miniature horse at Shetland Cross at best. Um, and it was the most grotesquely obese little horse I have ever seen. And, um, they were not named Burrito and Thelwell. They were named Kibbles and Bits. <laughs> and we, we were very, very politely looked at the horses. We get back to the car. It's just mom and me. And I was like, you have to change their names. Um, and so Thelwell was an obvious choice because he was a dead reckoning for a Thelwell pony. So do Google that and find, find that. There we go. Um, so, okay. Um, sorry, checking count. Co-writing a My Little Pony fan fiction world anvil with a friend. Oh, fun. Fun. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, Bridger's like, Bridger says, I didn't realize those comics had a name, but I recognize the style. Yes, so those are, Thelwell uh, was the artist, so they are pr pretty much known as Thelwell ponies, and um, they're less, po less popular now just because stuff is, uh, oh, thanks for the follow, March of the Gray Eyes. Um, just because, you know, stuff is aging out or whatever, but you'll still find books and figurines and, you know, little statuettes of extremely fat ponies. <laughs> so Thelwell, you'll be happy to know lost a ton of weight and is much healthier now. Um, so he's still got a huge bushy mane, so it still fits in that case, but he is no longer that grotesquely obese. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah, those names had to change. Absolutely, Bridger. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, let's go back and anyway, thanks PJ for asking about that painting because I put that up a few weeks ago and I just never mentioned it. So I'm glad you, glad you did. Okay. Um, next question, what do we have? What introvert compatible marketing have you found most effective? <laughs> so, so here's the good news. Um, we have the internet. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, everything can be introvert friendly now because you get to control how much access you have. Right. Um, so, and you know, first let's clarify introvert and shy are not the same thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I'm actually an ambivert, so I can recharge hanging out with people, but I also really like to recharge being alone. And I definitely don't work well with people. <laughs> I don't work well with people. That might also be true, but uh, you will never catch me saying, wow, I need to get a ton of writing done. Let me go to a coffee shop because that's not how I work. Um, I know Kate in the chat is the exact opposite. Kate's like, I'm gonna go to a coffee shop, be super productive. And I'm like, yay, you, I'll be in my bed <laughs> with the computer on my lap, right? So, um, but anyway, so as far as uh, marketing and, and all of this stuff, we get to choose um, 
our schedules for marketing and we get to choose, you know, how much of ourselves we're putting out and, and we can pace all of that uh, because we don't have to do in-person book tours. <laughs> we have the internet. This is great. Um, so, so I guess what I would say is um, nearly anything you want to do, can you can turn into introvert compatible uh, if you want to. So even something like this where I'm doing live video, I know that I can stop when I want to <laughs> and, um, and I can run this, you know, I can run this for an hour or so and then I'll be done and then I'm going to hole up with my computer and do some work. Um, and if, if you're not if the kind of person that's like, oh, an hour of live video sounds hideous, first of all, you don't have to do it at all. Um, if you're like, oh, I want to do some live video, but I don't want to do an hour live video. Great. Do a two minute live video still counts. Okay. So yeah. Anyway, um, newsletters, I'm just going to go back and hit that again. Cause you're going to hear me hit that a lot. Having a way to reach people that does not depend on somebody else's metrics and algorithms. Um, so some way to reach people directly. I don't care if that's you know, I think a newsletter is probably one of the most efficient and effective ways to do that. But if you've got another way to do that, great. Um, just make sure that it's something that, you know, you're not just hoping the social media fairies bless you on that particular day. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, uh, March the Gray says, you know, you write all your stuff in the bedroom, despite being an extrovert, even if you have stage fright. See, yeah, shyness and introversion and extroversion have nothing to do with each other. They're there's, there's separate measurements <laughs> going there. Um, oh, you want to go to locations that make sense to what you're writing. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Ah, oh, I think in that case, I definitely need to write something set on a cruise ship, but I need to go for atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll go to, um, uh, we'll go to golden doorway and write about fjords or, or something. There we go. Um, Okay, so uh, LJ Stanton says I need to start a newsletter. Not sure my Patreon updates are actually getting to my patrons. Yeah, um, unfortunately, that's the thing is we don't, if we're relying on another platform, we don't know how much of that's going to get through. Um, there's a lot of good stuff about newsletters um, in the archives. Go jump back and um, Margaret McGriff was on a couple of times with really great newsletter advice. Um, so go check out what she said. Uh, don't let the newsletters bully you. <laughs> you can do it. Um, and it's the you know, same thing with newsletters. Like you'll hear people talk about, oh, you need to send them weekly. No, you don't. <laughs> okay. You can send them when you want to send them. I send them roughly every month or two. That's what works for me. Um, you can do it more often or less often as you like. Yeah. Thanks Bridger. Yeah. There was a, definitely a reason I wanted Margaret to come on and <laughs> she was one of the first people when I started, you know, streaming about, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to run a stream about the business of creativity. I need Margaret. <laughs> she and, um, Chris Morris, who came on to talk about accounting. Um, they were, they were some of the first people <laughs> I started making a list. Right. And I was like, Oh, okay, I need these people. So, um, Anyway, yeah, so I, again, another thing where I have no idea if I actually answered the question you were asking, but I did talk a lot, so <laughs> you know, feel free to, to nudge if you want me to do something else. Um, how do you decide pricing for your eBooks? Oh my gosh, this is probably like a whole hour of answer right here. Um, okay, so let me start by getting my, my, my personal bias out in the open. 
I think a lot of people charge too little for eBooks and I think it's hurting writing as a whole. Um, so if you jump back 10 years, 99 cents and free were really good marketing, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, tactics, not strategies, but tactics, um, where you could set a book at 99 cents um, temporarily or permanently and move a lot of copies and that would boost, you know, Amazon would say, oh, this author's book is really selling. Let's push their other books, you know, as well. And so you could get some results with that. Um, or you could do that with free, get a lot of people to read it and then they would you know, hopefully go on and pick up other books in the series or pick up other books by you. Or, or again, it would push Amazon or other retailers to bump your other books in the, in the search results a little bit because one book was moving pretty well. Anyway, these were things that were working really well about 10 years ago. They don't work that well now for a variety of reasons. One, algorithms and such are more sophisticated. Two, there are so many more books <laughs> that are out there that you're competing with. And uh, being 99 cents isn't special anymore because everybody's books are 99 cents. So, um, so there's my personal, uh, uh, not my personal bias, I guess, is just the way to say that. Um, I think the fact that people are still setting 99 cents as a normal price for a book um, or free as a normal price for a book, um, and I think we're training readers to not want to pay more than 99 cents for a book. Or, I mean, you know, and I've seen people who are just like, oh, I will never read anything that's not free. And I'm like, okay, that's your choice. You know, free country, have a good time. Um, but, but I'm not going to give you something that I spent four years making for free. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, so anyway, so the, let me just, I'm just going to put that out there that that's something that you're not going to hear me push, you know, those prices very often as a special event. Yes. As a common price. No. All right. Um, and, and I'll just say too, that I, um, sometimes that this is driven by things I have personally experienced, not just my, you know, ranty soapbox days. Um, but I set Songweaver's Vow at 99 cents. Now Songweaver's Vow just my little brag box for a second, um, was a Spiffbow semifinalist, Realm Award for Best Fantasy. Like, it's more than my mom just liked this book, right? Um, book, book was pretty, pretty decent, did pretty well. I set it for 99 cents, and I got some emails that are like, well, why don't you just send it to us for free? If you, if you like, if you, if you actually like writing, then you should want to give it to your fans for free. And I'm like, if I actually like writing, then I want to get paid to do it so I can keep doing it. <laughs> okay. So like, come on guys, it is 99 cents. Pick up a couch cushion. Okay. <laughs> you can, you can do it. So, all right. Uh, sorry. I'm going to catch up on the chat here for a second. Yeah. Okay. Uh, great point. LJ Stanton says there's heavy bias against paying for things that you can read on your phone, eBooks, mobile games, etc. Well, we'll happily spend more money on a physical copy but paying $5 for an ebook is definitely not a bad place to pay for a book, right? And, um, and if I want to download a movie, how much money will I spend on that movie versus a book? And I'm going to read that book a lot longer than I'll watch that movie, right? Um, so yeah, that's, anyway, I don't, I, hopefully, if, you, if we're all in this room, virtual room, uh, we all agree that, you know, 
writing has value and creativity has value and art has value and stuff. So, uh, okay. Okay. Um, Bridger, thanks for clarifying that question. And I will <laughs> love it. Most effective marketing you can do while burying your head in the sand pretending no one is looking at you while simultaneously asking people to look at you. Yeah. Let me come back to that because I'm taking forever to answer the ebook pricing question, but then I'll come back to, to that question. So, um, so here's the thing I, if for a full length novel, so we're, uh, let me say 75, 80,000 words, I'm never that low, but you know, just, you know, for, for what we'll say as, as a general, um, I want to see, you know, I'm going to probably price that $2.99 or up, except for a special event where I'll do a 99 cent deal or something. Um, and I usually would do that as, Hey, you know, this is, you know, thanks, thanks to special fans, you know, this is 99 cents or you know something like that. It'll be, it's an exception, not the rule. Um, I sometimes often, uh, in the shard of a lawn, for example, uh, will price my books higher than that, uh, for a variety of reasons. One, they're better than a lot of 99 cent books. I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> so, you know, if you want, I've, I've put a lot of time and a lot of effort to making those very, very good books. They have what, 4.8 star ratings and stuff. They're going to be good reads. And I don't, um, I don't need to sell a steak for a drive through burger price. Okay. There we go. Um, and if that sounds snotty, I'm sorry. There are lots of other books. Go have a good time. Um, the other thing is, those, as I just said, my books are big. Okay. Blood and bond is 180,000 words. That is, you know, three times the, the length of a 299, you know, cozy mystery or something sitting at 60,000 words or something. Um, I'm not charging three times the price, but I am going to charge a dollar more. And I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, so yeah, now I, everything I've said so far has been for fiction. Nonfiction runs on a different scale. Nonfiction tends to run higher than fiction, uh, because it is more valuable because it addresses real problems. Um, <laughs> so if, you, if you missed the sarcasm on that one, yes. Um, so, so my nonfiction eBooks, um, I think they sit mostly around $7.99 or something like that. Um, again, worth it. Uh, you know, really good feedback on those books, really good reviews on those books. They sell really well at that price. Um, but it, I think it's easier to see a much more tangible benefit from here. Let me solve a massive problem in your life. Um, so nonfiction tends to run higher. So... Okay. They do just text. Thanks, Bridger. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah. So ebook pricing and you're going to find people, I mean, I, I've definitely had this conversation with people who were like anything over 99 cents is highway robbery. How could you? And I'm like, Hey, you know what? There's tons of books out there. If you don't want to pay two ninety nine or three ninety nine for mine, um, you don't have to, like, there's lots of things out there, but, uh, but if you want a steak, you got to pay a dollar extra more than the McDonald's hamburger. So, <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So let me jump back to the introvert compatible marketing. So, um, not speaking directly to any specific individual individuals. So anyway, we, you specify not podcasts, not newsletters, not interviews. Um, so you might look at something, 
that is generally called, I think, passive marketing. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say this is not going to do all of it. So at some point, you're still going to want to have a way to contact people directly. Uh, at the most base, funda basic fundamental level with that, um, if you have a new book out, but you don't have any way to tell people that you have a new book out, they're not going to buy it because your website may be fantastic, but I'm probably not going to it daily or weekly to check to see if anything new has appeared. Okay. Are there those people? Yes. Are there those people for that one specific author? Absolutely. Can I count on that? Probably not. <laughs> so, um, but that said, passive marketing would be having a really spectacular website. Um, you know, I don't know if blogging is too personal, but you can, you can make blogging very audience specific, or you can make it very general. I'm just voicing my thoughts into the ether. You know, you, you've got a couple of attacks uh, you can take with that. Um, your landing pages, um, for, uh, like your sales page on Amazon, you know, what is your description look like? What does your, you know, what are your reviews look like? And I mean, not only just the star reviews you get, but any editorial reviews that are up and, and all of those kinds of things, those will, um, make it, but again, you got to get people to that page. But then once they hit that page, all of that is passive marketing. So, okay. <laughs> Blogging is safe because I can dump words and run away and pretend nobody read them. Yeah. So, um, Okay, so blogging is a good one, and, and blogging can feel really, really personal. So even if you don't, you don't have to make it feel personal from your end, but I as a reader can feel like I'm getting to know you, right? And so that's, that's an advantage there. Um, so I'm trying to think what other, what other things. Uh, the whole point of social media is to be social. It will not work to sell books unless you are cultivating relationships. So I would say that's probably not where you want to spend a ton of time, but social media is, again, probably the 372nd time I've said this here, um, social media is not a great sales tool. It is good for maintaining, you know, a connection to the people who have already looked at your stuff. It's not like, hey, cold call, buy my book. Um, it's not good for that. So ads, promotions. Okay. Um, Ads are a good one, maybe. So I'm just going to speak about Amazon ads, mostly because I did my, my Amazon ads metrics today, so my, all my tracking today, so that's in my head. By the way, guys, it's the beginning of the month. If you have not done your author snapshots, please remember to do that. Thanks, that was your nag for the day. Um, so Amazon ads, uh, I'm just going to recommend don't, don't start on your own, find a course to take because there's so much out there. There's so much that it goes into it. There's so much bad info out there that if you're just hopping from, you know, Facebook group to Facebook group, you're going to hear all kinds of things. Um, so there's a couple of things, places you can get good info. Um, I have signed up for, but I have not yet done Mark Dawson's ads course. So, um, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I will, Go find, I can't speak to it yet because I have not uh, done the course. I have done Brian Cohen's Amazon ads for authors and he does three times a year, I don't remember, um, a free five-day course that is worth taking. Um, 
And whether or not you go on beyond that, up to you, but I would say sign up for the free five-day course because you lose nothing but a little bit of time in trying that. Uh, oh, you just finished Brian Cohen's, good, yeah. Um, and so I just had a month uh, this in July, every one of my books, I think I'm running ads on five, maybe six titles, um, every one of them had a positive ROI on my Amazon ads, which isn't, hasn't always been the case, so I'm happy with that. Um, but yeah, ads, I think the, the learning curve on ads is, is long and hard. So you probably want to have something else on the, on another burner while you're getting started with that. Um, but I'm getting better <laughs> and, um, all the time. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, and Facebook ads are such, so different from Amazon ads. And I am not good at those yet. I've done some experimenting with them. That's on my list of things to get to, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Okay. So, and what I would say too about ads, a big thing, and I'd say this to anybody doing any form of ads, um, just like when you go to the casino and you say, I'm going to give myself X amount of money to burn and throw away and not expect to get anything back on, and that's okay, <laughs> okay? Um, for me, when I go to a casino, that number is usually $5. I'm a very like gambling's not fun for me, but I will, I will throw $5 in a slot machine, right? I approach my ads when I'm starting in the same way. Um, you know, I was, was trying some, some, uh, Facebook ads. I know I'm not good at Facebook ads. I'm just going to set up like, this is the amount of money I am going to throw away to experiment and play with Facebook ads. And then I, one, don't sink more money than I could afford into it. Just like at the casino. Um, and two, I'm not devastated when I lose that money because I planned to set fire to that money. All right. And then when I start to finally get traction, then I'm like, oh, yay, now it's working. <laughs> right. And so now I'm, I'm, my ads are not, my Amazon ads are not killing it. Like some people I know, but I'm also not losing money. I'm actually, they are making me money. So that's the right direction. And now it's just a matter of building on that. So, Okay. Um, oh, and then promotions, uh, BookBub. BookBub's a great one. BookBub's really hard to get into. You know, um, you know, I've done it, but it's hard. And uh, it's getting harder every single day. <laughs> so many people are competing to get a BookBub promotion. BookBub is the only one I know of that is consistently uh, good re return on investment, consistently reliable for my genre. And I need to emphasize that because I know there are some promotion sites out there and newsletters out there that do really well for, say, romance or something that I don't write. So I can't make good recommendations. I just know they're working for other people, but I, I'm not going to pretend that I can give good advice on those. So that's one of those things that's very genre specific and you need to look for. So, okay. Mm. Also... There are BookBub promotions where you get in the BookBub newsletter for a special deal. And then there are BookBub ads, which are the ads they put at the base of the newsletter. <laughs> so those are two separate things. They are both BookBub, so it can be confusing. BookBub ads is also on my list of things to get better at. Um, I have done a little bit of experimenting with my, hey, here's 10 bucks I'm going to blow <laughs> this week and see where it goes. Um, but I... I am not good enough at that yet to, uh, to, to give advice. 
but, but I'm going to take my Mark Dawson course and find out. So, okay. Um, all right. Other questions that may have things to throw in here. Oh, also, sorry, while I've got people here, um, and I mentioned this before, but uh, I'm just going to throw it in again because I think we've got a little bit different group in the chat. Um, I am keenly interested on feedback on where people would like this weekly streaming event to go. Um, so I've been doing it for a year now. Uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm having a good time. It's fun. But it is a large time sink because um, I do personally manually review all the cap closed captioning and all of that kind of thing. And it is, you know, it does eat up a number of hours out of my week, uh, to do the video that turns into a podcast that has the transcript and the closed captioning for the video replays and all of that. So, um, if, and I know a lot of the writing community on Twitch, they just do work streams. And, um, if people are like, no, 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 we really like a discussion where, you know, we're uh, talking about a specific topic and it's you know intended to be educational, then great, give me that feedback. And if people are like, no, the create-ins are my very favorite theme week, we just one place to hang out and get stuff done, that would be really valuable feedback. Okay, so and I don't need you to like give it to me <laughs> right now, I'm not running a poll or anything, but um, it's the kind of thing that if you decide that you do have an opinion on, throw it my direction on social media, in uh, a message somewhere, whatever. Um, because uh, that would be really good to know. Thanks. Okay. Um, yeah, so do we have any other questions coming into the chat? Or maybe it could just turn into a stream where I just have a live webcam on my face as I do revisions. <laughs> You get to see all of my expressions as I'm like, you know, how did this happen? <laughs> Just how my revisions usually go. So, yeah. Uh, okay, let's see. So things that are on my do list when we wrap up here. Um, there was a video course. Uh, it's a two-week video, uh, part written, part video course that I was supposed to be writing today. And uh, that all got put aside <laughs> because my mom was doing a presentation at a local event and couldn't get her uh, computer to connect to the projector. And so I got a panic phone call. And so I got to run down and um, set up the tech thing. The good news is it probably was actually the local, uh, local IT fault, not, um, not my mom or her computer. But that means I did not write my course today, and so I need to write that tonight. So I'll probably be caffeinating and staying up and writing that tonight. So, oh wow, the Create-Ins inspired PJ to create your own Create-Ins. So they were very helpful in that way. Great, good. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, the Create-Ins are kind of fun. And I'm not a person who, again, I, I don't go to cafes to, um, to work because that's very disruptive to me. Um, that's not where I'm going to do my best work, but you know, there's something to be said for, okay, but now we're all here at the table together and we're all going to work on something. So I can't get distracted by whatever because peer pressure. <laughs> so, um, oh, question. Have I ever done a collaboration? So 
it depends on what version of collaboration we're talking about. Um, have I ever co-written something? No, I'm not really sure I'm a good candidate for that. Uh, I don't, I don't, I think that's great for plotters and I'm not enough of a plotter to like organize with somebody in advance. Um, so, but as far as like a themed anthology, I uh, have done that, am doing that again. So I'm responsible for my own story, but within a larger project and I've, um, have done that several times in the past and I'm actually working on one with uh, some other writers uh, for us to do as a promotional uh, thing later this year. Excuse me, that will be, um, we're, we're all writing about cryptids. So that'll be fun. Uh, so, so yeah, it kind of depends on where we're going with collaboration. So yeah, I, yeah, the chat has a delay and I'm apologizing for that. That's, that's fine. That's no big deal. Um, we always do a little bit of uh, come and go with the chat. That's fine. Um, okay. Thanks for that feedback, Bridger. Uh, I will, I, I'm just collecting all the feedback. Guys, feel free to drop stuff as you think of it during the week. Just, just give me back. Because um, I just want to know, like, this all started, I was originally writing a book on business for authors because a lot of authors, they like writing. They weren't entrepreneurs, they were writers, but in today's world, especially in self-publishing, but even in traditional publishing, writing careers are really entrepreneurial careers now. So that's why I started doing this and I started writing, putting stuff together in a book, but then um, 2020, we're all just sitting at home twiddling our thumbs. So I started streaming with it and then that's where this got started. But, um, but yeah, I'm just curious, like, you know, is this something that should continue or has it done its job? And yeah, there we go. So, okay. Oh, no, no, I don't feel obligated. No, if I, uh, <laughs> trust me, I, can, I am fully capable of having a tantrum and quitting <laughs> if I want to. So yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm asking for opinions because I genuinely want them. Um, so, and I'll just put this in, in reinforcement terms. Um, I posted something last week that I was pretty excited about. I'm like, hey, let me share this with people. Um, and... You, by going with the metrics that I got back, um, 46 people clicked on it and saw it. That does not count uh, anything that was in a mobile view and that does not count anything that showed up in a feed. So this is somebody who clicked on uh, the link to follow uh, that. And so 46 people looked at it and one person clicked like, and I was like, okay, message received. <laughs> you know, I need, uh, as that's not now to maybe more people than that liked it, but I have no way of knowing. Right. So, um, I need to, I need to look at, we were talking about analytics, right? Like I need to know what's worth my time, where to put my resources, where to put my efforts. So Bridger <laughs> says, ouch. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that was, I was maybe more excited about that than they were, but there you go. So, oh, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Awesome. I uh, just, just says doing awesome and enjoys my stream. So I appreciate that. Okay. Um, so yeah. And again, guys, okay, so just to be clear, that's not me fishing for nobody clicked to like on my thing. Please tell me nice things. I legitimately just want to know like, you know, what, what makes these streams useful? Are they useful enough to continue? Should I be doing something else with them? You know, that kind of thing. That's all I'm legitimately after real feedback. So, okay. Uh, 
okay. Oh my gosh, it's like we're closing on the hour. So uh, yeah, so if there are remaining questions, please go ahead and throw those in the chat. Uh, what? Oh, I ended up talking in another group, one of my writing groups, about how I have my website set up for retail, um, which I didn't think was that unusual, but then the conversation um, was generated and apparently that's something that a lot of people don't have set up in an efficient way. And mine is very efficient because that's the only way things get done. <laughs> so I can get an order in and have it packaged and ready to go out in probably four minutes or less. Um, and I'm, that's like stamped, sealed, labeled, all of the things. So if that would be something that people would be interested in, I could set up a, like a walkthrough of how I how I have that set up and how we do that. Um, and I'm always open for ideas. You know, details, okay. The short version is WooCommerce and I have a printer in my house and I just tape the labels on, but all the postage and everything comes out of the printer. But, um, but yeah, I can do a walkthrough with that. So, okay. Yeah, because the thing where like, I would like a book, but then I need to package it and then I need to take it to the post office and then I need to, oh no, hate, hate, like, no, I need it done. I need it. I need it done. Like four minutes. My hands are in the air to stop the timer. Done. <laughs> I think so. So, okay. Um, all right. So I'm going to wrap there. Hey, Elena, let me know in the chat if you are streaming tonight. So we know whether or not to raid you. And, um, just what is one thing you've heard authors should do, but you have found either doesn't work for you or you feel just is wrong. Oh, we do not have <laughs> enough time left for things. Um, there, there's some skeezy advice floating around about getting people onto your newsletter list and stuff that, no, guys, just be ethical. Like, golden rule applies. You do not sell stuff to people by making them irritated at you, <laughs> okay? Like, um, yes, I want a newsletter list. I'm not going to sacrifice my soul to get it. Okay. Um, so let me just, you know, start with that. Like, you know, we, the, the authors have two modes, either no one wants to hear from me and I shouldn't put anything of myself out there, or I will come under your face and shout at you to buy my book. <laughs> there is a happy medium that we want. Um, so, uh, I would, first of all, just, just be really ethical about, acquiring email addresses and using email addresses. So there's, there's the very short version of that. Um, okay. Elena's not streaming. Good to know. <laughs> Bridger says that should be a whole episode. Yeah, it kind of should. Um, I, oh man, we do not have time to get into this. I'm just going to throw this bomb and run. So we can maybe do it again later. Uh, if, if there's interest, um, I have some very real concerns about retailer exclusivity. So Kindle Unlimited being the you know, big gorilla in the room to discuss. Um, I think that is a win the battle, lose the war strategy for authors. Um, and I think it's like, like the free books and 99 cent books. I think it's something that is going to hurt us as a community uh, and as an industry long-term but it's really hard to have that conversation when people are currently winning the battle and not seeing the war. Um, so yeah, and I say this as, you know, I, 
I did not realize, which is one of my regrets in life, not a huge one, but an annoying one. Uh, I did not realize when I was graduating university that I was a single class short of an economics degree and I could have just sat in on something, you know, signed off on a, on a test and had an econ degree and I didn't. Uh, but that means I have enough to know that I'm not a fan of exclusive markets and yeah, that's probably all the time we have to get into there or that. So is it, you know, do, do I judge people who will put their books into KU? No, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, for shame, shame. Is it something that I think we should be more open about talking about how that actually works and the long-term risks of it? Yeah, I think as a community, we should be more aware. So yeah, let me just lob that and run. Sorry, guys, <laughs> we can go into there. So, okay. Um, Okay. I'm oh, sorry, I'm just catching up on the chat. Oh yeah, Bridger, I can be happy to talk about direct ebook sales. I just got those started. Um, uh, I finally got all of my books. I think all, most anyway, of my books are available for direct ebook sales as well, which was not the case originally. I was just selling direct paperback and then letting ebooks all go through other retailers. But yeah, um, was it Joanna Penn? who, it might have been Joetta Penn, you might actually know this, Bridger, because um, I think you listened to her, but she was talking about, she was selling things direct uh, from her site, and some people were asking, you know, but hey, that's hurting your rankings, you know, people are not buying that at Amazon, they're buying it from you, so you're not going to hit number one in category, because you're only selling, you know, whatever percentage at Amazon and the other percentage at other retailers and the other percentage from your own website. And she's like, yeah, but I make more from each sale on my website than I do through, you know, through the other retailer. And the phrase I remembered was bank before rank, <laughs> which I liked. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, some of those things, it's a matter of what is your priority. You know, she's got a pretty established audience. So she has maybe more flexibility to sell direct because she's not needing the, to the discovery of working the algorithm or something. Um, so that's something that's, that's maybe is more possible for her than for other people, but I think it's probably more possible for more people than they realize. So, okay. But that was a good question, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to try all my, what do I think things are wrong? <laughs> Great question. All right. So we're going to wrap it here because it is on the hour. Uh, thank you so much for joining me for my first ever Ask Me Anything, uh, which is a phrase that has always terrified me, <laughs> but, but you guys were all great. Yay. Thank you. Um, uh, thanks again to Bridger for throwing the, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, throwing the questions in, in advance. I really appreciate that. Joe says, not a fan of the ranking number. It's the most arbitrary number there is. You're not really that wrong. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, it's maybe slightly more data-based than the New York times bestseller list, but, but still pretty volatile and still pretty, you know, fluctuating. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, Joe says a lot of people don't know how it really works. I'm going to say most people don't know. And anybody who's not an Amazon software engineer who tells you they know, they know they're lying. Okay. Nobody knows Amazon for very good reasons, keeps that extremely closed and changes it often. So, uh, anybody who's like, especially, especially if they're going to sell you a code word masterclass on understanding code word, the algorithm, like there is just one, cause that's how software code works. Um, 
that, that is a red flag. Do just keep your money and go do something else. So, oh no, got the time zone wrong. Um, yeah, we'll be here. I'll be here every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, so you can run that time, time wherever you go. And then uh, everything I do will be on replay. The creatives are the only ones that don't have a replay because seriously, nobody wants a replay of my face as I type. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, okay. Uh, thank you guys so much. I will see you next week at this time and place. And I did not check my calendar, so I have no idea what we're doing, but it will be fun. I promise that. Make sure you do your snapshots and I will see you next week. Bye everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening. You can find details on the weekly live stream, upcoming guests and topics, subscription and support information, and more at lauravab.com. Your shares, reviews, and support are very much appreciated. Until next time.